that record got me high, are glad you're here, if you were not, we wouldn't exist, we would plunge, like lead fishing weights, off the pitching deck of a ship, in deep, cold water, into the depths of emptiness, and lightless, soundless void, we would cease to exist, only you, our listeners, and our generous patrons, keep our freezing nostrils above the brine, you, and the help provided by our sponsor, it's, this, tomorrow, is this tomorrow is drawings and text superimposed in a novel way, telling a story of recurring characters, seemingly trapped, themselves, in their rectangular frames, they speak, albeit briefly, of their plight, and generally come to a bittersweet conclusion by the final panel, recently some of the characters seem to have developed, perhaps, a greater self-awareness, and are beginning to chafe at their fleeting two-dimensional life, good luck with that, chumps, is, this, tomorrow, is available at isthistomorrow.com, and on Facebook, we now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. What's up with you? What's up with him, Adam? What's up with Morrissey? I mean, perhaps he's always been that. I mean, it's, oh, it's okay. funny. Yeah. Because it's not anything new. I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I mean, Johnny Mars, like, you know, uh, very much uh, declared himself to be, you know, I mean, he is a, you know, a left-wing kind of person. And, right, uh, sure. Right. And he's, he's kind of said, well, the Smiths will never get back together because I can't stand the guy. <laughs> whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. That's understandable. Yeah. It is. Right. All yeah. right. But we're not here to talk about the Smiths That's true. or Morrison. That's true. Let's get, uh, yeah, let's get <laughs> we into We haven't introduced problem. the show. I but. will. All right. Here. So we're going to get into it right now. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And this, ladies and gentlemen, this is our final episode of season two. This is uh, yes. Adam. Yeah, you're on our final season two episode, and it's this purely is, arbitrary. Just so we're it clear, closing it all, I'm, I'm closing it all down. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. But there, there will be a season. There three, will be no so break between this and no the beginning of season right. three. But yeah, this yeah, is our keep on going. Yes, and this is our first foray across the pond. And True. Uh, speaking that other voice you hear is none other than Mr. Adam Franklin. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, great. No, it's great to have you. And Adam, of course, for those of you who don't know, uh, in the uh, Wonderful band, Swerve Driver, yes, uh, '90s heavy rock, shoegaze, indie titans. I mean, you guys, uh, yeah. I, I, I love Swerve Driver, and so many people love them. And you guys are, are back at it. You and uh, Jimmy, right? Uh, Jimmy Hartridge, yep. back at it. You got a, uh, you yeah. got a drummer, Mikey Jones, and uh, Mikey Jones, and Mick Quinn from uh, Supergrass. Supergrass. Yeah, the yes. Supergrass guy playing bass. And your yeah. uh, latest record. Future Ruins is awesome. Me and Barry it is. were just talking. I was we were enjoying just it yesterday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So thank you. And watched the KEXP performance from I guess a couple of months oh, ago. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, my wife, what's the drummer's name? Mikey Jones said, "Oh, he's exactly like a he's like Ringo Starr but fat." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm allowed. Whoa. I'm allowed because I myself. Yeah, am, Barry's a little poorly. Too, I'm so also he could fat, so it's the. <laughs> Uh, but he's great, though. No, I mean, Mike oh, is, I mean, Mike is the yeah. I mean, he's the big man. He's fantastic, and, yeah. and he plays it big. And he, but he also plays with kind of tenderness as well. I mean, he can be very, very gentle. You know, I mean, I've sort of said that the two um, greatest drummers I've ever played with, uh, Mikey Jones and uh, a certain man called uh, Sam Fogarino. Oh yeah, we, we yeah. Both, you've always, I, we but I was thinking, you them. always, you've played with good. You always manage to get really good drummers, and that's yeah. Imp- Important. It's so important to it. Perhaps, yeah, it's like, the, perhaps the uh, 
a great band without a great drummer is never going to be a great band. A great band yeah, without exactly. a without a great rhythm guitar player. Okay, well, can still be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> right. True, yeah. No, I mean that's the famous adage, you know, and it's always been the the truth, really, you know. And we, yeah, like you say, we have had great drummers, you know, Graham Graham Bonner on the the first album, Jez Hindmarsh did the 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 three other albums in the nineties, and uh, and yeah, we had Danny Ingram playing for a while. And, Paddy Pulitzer and the, yeah, they're, they're all fantastic. Always, uh, yeah, fantastic always drummers, monster yeah. drummers. You never, you never yeah. just threw in one guy where it's like, oh, well, where'd they get the, where do you get that guy from? Yeah, like, <laughs> you never had that. Yeah. All right. Thankfully. <laughs> so you, so Adam, you went through when I first asked you to be on the show, you went through about six different albums because you kept <laughs> changing it. But mm. what did we finally? Hopefully, you you didn't change it again because me right. and Barry are ready for. Yeah. What is the album you are bringing with to us today? Well, hopefully, the album we agreed on is. Uh, this very obscure zombies album. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Raven by the Stranglers. The yes. Stranglers' fourth album. Yes. Uh, so fourth studio album uh, released. Uh, I didn't realize for some reason I always thought of the Raven being an '80s album, but it was actually it's released at the end of '79. Yeah, still, still back in the '70s. So. Right after, right after Black and White, which is a record that Rob and I both adore tremendously. That's right. I mean, you did the show on on, on Black and White. I think you didn't have a guest that week, or something. We did not. So did it. It. It was yeah. just me and old Barry. Yeah. yeah there but, was... um, and, uh, and, and at first I was kind of thinking, oh, damn, because I probably would have gone for that, Black and White, because that's a great album. <laughs> Actually, I think The Raven is a better album. I mean, there are other albums, and a lot of them were from the same period, really. I mean, two, there were two other albums from 1979 that I could have chosen, which is Armed Forces by Elvis Costello with right. Attractions. Right. And... Uh, and, and, and parallel lines as well, but Blondie, which oh, is a, yeah. a great yeah, album. Yeah, you know? we have. I'm sure event, we're going to do both those records. Eventually, someone's going to pick mm. those records too. Um, but yeah, yeah. this th- this record was, uh, and I was already, I, I was a Stranglers fan. I think me and you were around the same age. So you were, mm. when this came out, uh, do you remember getting like, uh, were you a Stranglers fan already, or was this the album that you uh, discovered them? Well, I mean, the Stranglers. I didn't know. I, I guess the first single was "Get a Grip," I think. The second single might have been Peaches, or it might be hanging yeah. around. But yeah. I mean, Peaches, Peaches was the in really because the thing about the Stranglers is that in the UK, you know, they were like beamed into every every house. They were every big. I know. In the country. They were a big. Yeah, they were huge yeah. in England. It's crazy, and it's crazy. They how, had uh, huge hits, top ten hits. I mean, Peaches went to number two. The previous, you know, punk record that I got anywhere near was well, actually did go to number one, but of course, famously was kept off number one was God Save the Queen. Of course, course, yes. Can't have that. Yeah, they couldn't have that on on the Queen's Silver Jubilee, but I I think the Peaches went to number two, and from that point onwards, it was like, you know, every kid in the playground knew. Of course, because it's a song about, you know. (laughs) That's crazy when you think about it, a song like that going to number two. Right. It's only the the second most explicit song about (laughs) female breasts that they have. (laughs) Well, it's more it's, it's the genitalia. I mean, there's, I'm pretty sure there's never been another top ten single that has the word clitoris. That's yeah, right. true. In the lyrics, no. you know? you're probably, but it there probably true. won't be. <laughs> no, but it was, it was kind of disguised as well. You know, that bit. I think there's a bit of phase when he sings. Is she trying to get out of that clitoris? Yeah, so it has a kind of phase mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. You know? I love it. I love uh, use uh, phrasing on on. Um, yeah, there's just the yeah. stranglers were always and so were you already um, were you into uh, 
punk and other punk bands because I know the Stranglers. We 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 discussed this in the Black and White episode how how they sort of got mm. lumped in with with the punk bands, mm. but they were never a classical. You know what you would no. think of your standard punk band. They exactly. Were just so, yeah. so much more than that. You know. Yeah, they were very different when they because they're a little bit older and stuff, and there are there are stories about kind of like uh, how the rest of the the punk sort of glitterati, if you if you will, yeah. didn't really accept them. You know. And there's a story about the Stranglers opening for the Patti Smith at the, uh, the Roundhouse <laughs> oh, in Camden man. in London. And afterwards, a fight breaks out because <laughs> the two, there are two sort of punk bass players hanging out outside, Paul Simonon and Jean-Jacques Bonnell. Oh. And, Paul, and Paul Simonon kind of gobs. He just needs to clear his throat and he just spits on the ground. But he, maybe he hits sort of like oh. JJ's Dr. Martin boot or whatever. And so like a, a fight breaks out. And uh, it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite classic. It's like John Jack Bunnell and, and Paul Simonon going at it with fisticuffs, you know. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the story that uh, I think John Jack Bunnell tells that uh, later on, kind of Dave Greenfield did actually punch John Lydon, you know, which, which is quite hilarious. <laughs> the idea of thinking of like uh, of, of Dave Greenfield getting involved in any yeah, right. The, the keyboard, he's always back there. You're like, oh, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 quiet one. So yeah, we're, yeah. So um, and but 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 also the thing about um, just the fact that the Stranglers, just the fact that they had Dave Greenfield and and and, uh, and Jet Black, who uh, yeah. you know, who very much were not, they didn't look like punk rockers. Obviously, John Jack Bunnell, he's a punk, right? You know, yeah, yeah right, right. And then Hugh Cornwall, okay, he's a few years older. There's also a story about that punch-up where eventually Hugh Cornwall and Joe Strummer find themselves off in a corner, and Joe Joe says to Hugh. Shit, you know, it looks like our bass players are, are kicking off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Like Hugh, but Hugh's like a little bit older, but he's wearing a sort of like a barbed wire necklace and stuff, and like just looking yeah. sullen and surly. And he's kind of punk. But then you got Dave Greenfield and Jet Black. I mean, I, I suppose that, you know somebody could have said, "All right, you guys look great, but you two, you put on those leather jackets. Well. Yeah. Just exactly. put on a leather jacket. Yeah. Don't change anything, yeah. and it'll be okay." Right? Yeah. But he didn't shave. I give him credit for not shaving that. that mustache. <laughs> exactly. That mustache is there. He's sort of he's kind of medieval uh, <laughs> a haircut or whatever it is. You know. Yeah. All right, and, then, so... uh, and then you got and then you got Jet Black, who who I mean, apart from anything else, he was so much older than everybody else. Yes. Yeah. He's like ninety uh, now, was, right? He's yeah. I mean. He's, I think, I mean, I was discussing this with my mum earlier, you know, I was saying, the thing about the Stranglers is that the drummer, Jet Black, I think he's only five years younger than you. Yeah. And, she, and, and then your mum. Like, wow. Well, yeah, and I, and like, I can't imagine my mum playing drums for the Stranglers <laughs> right, today. Right. You know? Well, there, I think he finally hung up the, he's yeah. still considered a member, he did, but yeah. he doesn't do the live, because uh, they, yeah, they're still... Yeah. Uh, I think their, his, the, 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 the drum tech uh, took over. Oh, okay. The, yeah, okay. the long-standing drum tech, so yeah. But he did play. But, I mean, he played well. Into, and uh, great drummer, man. Always, yeah, a, always yeah, great. Yeah. That, that's the thing about... Another thing about the Strangers, why I think a lot of the punks didn't accept them, because they were such good... They could play. Musicians, almost the, like they were They were too good yeah. musicians. Yeah, yeah there know, wasn't a, they didn't seem to be struggling to, to play <laughs> yeah, things that were, yeah. you know, intricate or interesting. I mean, you listen... You listen to live stuff, and there are, you know, there's bum notes, or the singer will go into the wrong verse, or oh, whatever. Sure. So, you know, they certainly weren't trying to be like a sort of prog rock, no, kind of right, right, perfect right. thing. But, but they had that that sort of angle, and I think when punk first happened, it was kind of like, you know, everybody had older brothers that were into bands like sort of 
Van der Gaaf generator or <laughs> yeah. kind of oh, yeah, King right. Crimson or Hawkwind, you know. Yeah. And so ha- having these two guys in the band that kind of, you know, I think there was even more to latch onto because the punks could latch onto them because of JJ and Hugh. And then the older kind of brothers, the older kids, brothers and sisters could latch onto the, the, the other guys as well. You know? Dave Greenfield right. and Jack right. Black, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this album wasn't even released in the U. I remember I bought the uh, the U.S. released an album called the uh, Stranglers Four, which right. uh, which came out like in 1980, and it had yeah. some tracks from the Raven. And That's uh, right, yeah, yeah, so so but eventually I did uh, end up buying the import of of the Raven. So you're saying it didn't come out in the states like at the same no. time as it came out here, right? Okay. Right, right. No, it didn't. But I had and it, and I had already had because they had put out for some. Uh, somehow I got a hold of their live. They had that live excerpt record, yep, and yep, I got that excerpt, yeah. as an import. So I had that, and then right. I, I got Stranglers Four, and then I I figured that was their next album, and I loved it. But then I said, wait yeah. a second, they, wait, <laughs> this isn't the on? actual yeah, record. No. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they, record, they got no traction in America whatsoever, right. yeah, ever, yeah, and yeah. and they claimed to not care about that. Um, I think in interviews they were just, you know, they didn't really give a shit about coming to America. (laughs) Well, that's the one thing I respect about them is they seem like a band that didn't really give much of a shit about anything. You know, they weren't, Mm. no one was going to tell them what to do, what type of music to make, you know. True. Uh, Originally, I guess when they were doing... a golden when they wanted to release a golden brown, which ended up being like their biggest single. hit yeah. ever. Yeah. The, the, uh, the record company or something was like, No, what is this? This is ridiculous. It's in 13, no one's right? Gonna, yeah. a, it's got right, it's in 13 8, so yeah, it's it's very <laughs> odd tune. You I know? mean, the record label probably had a point, you know, and yet somehow, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, I mean, somehow that record, re- I mean, that song particularly and that recording of that song just really I mean that also went to number two I mean that that was right, held off number right. one by I think Ultravox um, Vienna was what held right. it off uh, and it, and it could have been spot. also one of those things where we can't have a number one song that's about heroin about uh, yes yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's right that's right which <laughs> this this record so the themes on this record yes. we have Vikings we have heroin we have uh, a genetic engineering uh, political events in Iran and yeah, Australia and of course Extra, the extraterrestrial, the men yes. in black, which we talked about on the black and white episode as well, which led to their being there. They were weirdos, frankly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm a weirdo, yeah. so I get to say that I'm a fat weirdo. So <laughs> yeah, let's just get that out of the way. Get that out of the way. <laughs> so, but there was a their cred level. They weren't going to be accepted because even though punk was very, you know, tech theoretically anti all sorts of things yeah. it was anti all sorts of normal things so yeah. when you had these the guys talking about stuff. stuff that was simply unacceptable in you know polite intellectual society um that wasn't okay in punk circles either i think they were just like oh you know what the, what are they on about you yeah. Know? yeah 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 who the fuck are these guys yeah because i think i think they must have you know um confounded not only the general sort of like listening audience, but also their their contemporaries, you know, because there's no real world, no real word out there as to what anybody else made of them. You know, I've never heard John Lydon really express an opinion apart from they were a bit old. <laughs> you know. It's true. They, it's true. They're, they're, they ignored, the, almost like it, it, ignored, ignored, and it's yeah, but it's great. Yeah. But at the same time, they were. So I was reading. Did I, you probably know this, Adam? But they said that mm-hmm. this album, The Raven, reached number four on the UK albums chart. But right. it's 
actually believe that it should have made number one, but yeah, for that, yeah. error because the police uh, reached number one, but their album hadn't been released yet. So there's a, some people think that they got credited. The police got credited for the sales of the Stranglers record, and uh, it was miscredited, and that's why they didn't get the uh, the number one record. Yeah, company booking. Goddamn, just another reason for Barry to hate Sting. Barry hates Sting. Yeah, so. I'm not a policeman. I see that, and I, I looked, oh, and I Rob didn't tell me, but I looked on the schedule and. There is a police album on the schedule for well, the next season. Come on. Yeah, really? Love him, hate him. I'm you, sure it'll be fine. I can talk about Andy Summers. You know, the, 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 the greatest police thing uh, I've heard lately is there's a version on YouTube of um, Roxanne, and every time the word Roxanne is sung, the track increases like by a semitone. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, it's brilliant. And it's like Roxanne, and then it's a Roxanne, Roxanne, Roxanne. And by the end, it's yeah, it's, it's going crazy. great. That's quickly. like something yeah. you and Barry would do. Actually, the end. I always, I'm, I'm sure I've said on the show before, but the end for me, really, of any any sting consideration was the Jaguar commercial. So uh, I don't know if that <laughs> ran in England. But in the no, states, no, I can't say I've seen that. No. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube, and it'll it'll put things in a very clear perspective for you. I know Sting was really annoyed about an advert that was shown in England, which was for sure uh, under underarm deodorant, and they used uh, "Don't stand so close to me." Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I, I would rather be I would rather have a be stinky than have a pedophilia. <laughs> it's a song. It's a pedophilia. Pedophilia. So right. he well, actually yeah. sort of increased the cachet of the song from a social acceptability because there's lots of stinky people. There's probably a lot more stinky people than pedophiles. So is, that, is, that, is that stinky spelled st- yes, S-T-I-N-G? Indeed it is. Very clever. All right. So the so I also read that Martin... Russian, who produced the first few yes. records, didn't like. I, I guess he didn't like the material, or he decided he just didn't want to produce it. Yeah, I think there's one particular song that he heard, and he just thought, "This is ridiculous. I'm not getting involved in this." And uh, that was uh, Men in Black. Uh, okay, oh, yeah, right, right. Because because Men in Black is is a, a, a slowdown. That obviously the, the music is played at half time, and the vocal is <laughs> double time. It's such yes. a weird like, track. Pinky and Perky, yeah. But the, the, the music was for a track called Two Sunspots, which eventually made it onto the following album, the gospel right, according right. to the Men in Black. Yeah. yeah. And you hear that, and you, and you can hear it. It's the whatever. Yes, yes, Of course, that yes. version was just at half time, and he just thought, yeah, this is crazy. I'm what not going fuck? down this, this route with this band. Yeah. Could, it could also be that he had just, they'd had enough of each other. Well, it's, could you imagine producing yeah, the Stranglers, though? I'm sure that's not it's an in the ass, yeah. And, so, uh, <laughs> Alan, Winst- Alan Winstanley ended up being right. the, uh, who was who worked with Martin Rush a lot. He ended up being the uh, right. uh, producer of record. But you could tell there was stuff going on, Adam, because if you look at the credits, they're all also credited with uh, production as well. Yeah. Right, so there was right. there probably some kind of power struggle going yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think it's the first album. Well, I mean, like, the, you know, it's their fourth album. Um, but the, the first two albums, Rattus and No More Heroes, I think much of No More Heroes was from the same session as Yeah, the, um, it's kind of like, Rattus right, yeah, yeah, one, yeah, one record almost. Yeah. yeah, Maybe a few extra tracks. Maybe No More Heroes, the track itself. I don't, I'm not sure, you know. Right. So then so then the first album, yeah, and, and of course people sort of say that you have 20 years to write your first album and then you yeah. get a year and a half to write right. your follow-up. So in that sense, I suppose Black and White was the first one where they actually had to sort of write that, know, yep. material from scratch, you know. And they, and they did a great job there. They really extended what they were doing. And, like, and as you were saying in your show about Black and White, 
you know, that album has been sort of called the first sort of post-punk album, you know. Right. Yeah. And I know that, uh, and I first heard it around that era when, you know, bands like Joy Division were around and stuff. And, and, you, and, and just the fact that it was monochrome, black and white, and especially the black side, the second side. Yeah. It, you know, it was kind of like, it wasn't punk anymore. It was going into slightly more atmospheric but still, you know, very, very dark and there's a sense of foreboding, but they're going into this kind of sci-fi thing, this kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah. Which and the, yeah, and the uh, like... Captain Beefheart influence on yes. the, the guitar playing is also yeah, gets yeah. to be sort of... Yeah. Uh, starts to appear there. Yeah. There's songs like Do You Wanna, which is like, I mean, it's like, where did that come from? You know? <laughs> oh my God, I know. And still, yeah, it still get, it gets under your skin, you know, a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. So there's this thing about... Uh, it gets into sort of Norse mythology and stuff. Yes, you know? yes. But Odin or Odin, whoever that was, or some sort right. of Norse god. Right. Yeah, okay. And he's got, he's got, he has two ravens at ah, his side. Okay. And they're called Hugin and, and Mutin or something. And they fly off into the world and they bring back information for, the, for this god, you know. So, yeah, they've, they've suddenly got into this whole concept of this bird, the, the raven, and how it's like... Uh, bringing back information but also Jean-Jacques Bonnell said that he felt that this album by this point they'd toured the world a little bit and they were doing a sort of reportage you know and they're bringing it back for the you know essentially for their okay. fans back at home right okay. right because yeah I think this was the first record that they got to write after they got to see they, they played other places and they got to see yeah. like more of the world too and you yeah, could, yeah you yeah. could feel that in the record All and right. it's yeah. production wise it does it is a different sounding record than yeah. black and white yeah, it, yeah. The, the, some of the muscular elements of black and white are yes. pulled back right right yeah uh, JJ Brunel his bass isn't maybe as it's not prominent distorted. the guitar is cleaner prominent. but the, you yeah. could tell they sort of did it on purpose uh, uh, it seems yeah. that way. By design, I think. And I, I, one I more think thing. So, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, because the bass thing is, I mean, that's one of the, the Strangler's sort of trademark sounds, isn't it? That, that incredible the growling sound. bass, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the intro to No More Heroes or Peach's bass line. But, but on this album, yeah, they're, they're, they're pulling it back a little bit. I mean, the album starts with Long, long Ships, the yes. little instrumental. Yeah. And the bass on that is still, it's still kind of got that growl to it. But then straight away, you know, the album goes into the Raven and it's a bit more kind of muted and, uh, and I, know, there's a bit more space, you know. We had talked about the influence of, um, well, the mutual influence of them, the Stranglers and Devo. And we think that the right. Devo records had an influence on them because the, the record sort of sounds kind of like a Devo record. It has mm. the way the right. textures and the drums and everything are mixed. Um, yeah. I, I think that there was a, a distinct awareness of this weird band from Akron, Ohio. Yes, right, Akron, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, because actually, the first band I was ever in, we did, we did play uh, Mongoloid was uh, one of the covers we did. But oh, I really? That. Oh, it's my favorite yeah, I mean, Devo song. Yeah. I mean, I, I joined that band after they'd already. I mean, they asked me to join to be a second guitar player. They're already a four piece, and I came in to be the, the fifth member. So they already had a. You know, there's a bunch of covers they were doing and stuff, and uh, so Mongoloid. I was f I first heard that being taught it in a rehearsal room. Really, I was like, oh, what's this? I never really heard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you I know, want to hear the, some. Are there any tapes of you guys, you guys you doing, doing Mongoloid? Mongoloid? I want to hear that, amazing. Adam. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm almost 100 percent sure there there are no recordings of that. <laughs> all right, really. you see. Well, uh, <laughs> we're gonna find one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's listen to the uh, opening track here, the instrumental. Let's listen to a little bit of Long okay. Ships.
Well, so the the record I got, the Stranglers Four, did not have that. It, it didn't open with that, and it, it's it's kind of like a little very Strangler sounding. It, it is. It's more like a, a, a sounds like the Stranglers maybe of the earlier stuffs with uh, with the the keyboard um, and the uh, and, and the bass, like you said, the bass a little more up front. But they had a habit of with of of having introductions into songs, instrumental things. Like on Black and White, there's a several tracks that have sort of a, a, a bit, uh, like Toiler on the Sea has this entire little bit oh, that leads yeah, you that. into the song. Right. And so I believe this is sort of the same thing. Right. And then and this next song, so so this was, the the Raven was the first song on, on the, the American version. And this song is just, man, I can't say enough uh, good things about this song, The Raven. But let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of The Raven. Got the record and heard that song. I must say, I don't actually remember that first time. No. <laughs> really? I mean, no, no, I don't. I mean, this is an album I had on cassette only for for the longest time. Oh. I've, I had uh, Rats and Vegas the album. I didn't have No More Heroes, but Friends had it. You know how back sure. in the day it was kind of like if you had an album and your, your buddy had the other one, that was fine because you went around their exactly, house to listen yeah, to it. Exactly. Yeah, you used to buy it yourself. <laughs> Um, so yeah, for me, the Raven I had it on cassette for a long time. I did finally buy a, a vinyl version in Brussels in about the, in in the late nineties, and it was a three D version. Oh, you I got thought, the three oh D one! Wow. <laughs> nice. Yes, I yeah. bought that. I, I bought I bought two albums that day in that um, uh, record store, <clears throat> which were you know kind of rare, which was you know the 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 three D version of the Raven, but also a Russian edition of um, Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth, which was. <laughs> Oh. bootleg which had a which had a different picture of the candle on the front ah. one that a, a, a Russian produced uh, cover of the of the album <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, I mean, wow, a, complete, a, a complete bootleg, and it was a single album. And I always thought that's weird. I mean, if you're going to do a bootleg, why do a single album? But, but then later on, I thought, well, of course, you couldn't fit all that music onto two vinyls. So, and they probably didn't want to go that far with their bootleg. So they just had the, the one album, so it kind of runs out before you get to trilogy and all that stuff. You know? <laughs> really? <clears throat> but that's, yeah, that's it's, it's weird. That's good. That's really. But then. Good. Uh, but then I actually, unfortunately, I sold both those records a few years later because I was trying to get some money together for something. I was moving to the States, oh, actually. Adam. <laughs> yeah. and, I was, and I was trying to, you know, and I sold a, I sold a Jazz Master and a Vox AC30, Ooh. and I sold Ugh. 
and I sold the <laughs> the Raven 3D and the Daydream Nation. Yeah, um, done that. I mean, these things, you know, these things come and go. And like, you if, had if the you're age. out there and you have Adam's goddamn thing, give it back to him. <laughs> Send it back to him. Come on. Yeah, I had I sold a six. I had a '61 Jazzmaster. I sold one time. That was right. That really? was a mistake. Yes, no, just flat <laughs> out, it was a mistake. I should. <laughs> I should never have what, sold that guitar. First of all, what color was it? White. It was a white 61 Jazzmaster. Oh, right. And you sold it. <laughs> what kind of, I sold, what kind of I, year did you sell it? I sold it. It was probably, oh, I can tell you, it was 1992 or three. Oh, that I sold it. So. That was probably the worst time ever to, to sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz Nobody Master. cared. Yeah, I was like, I mean, oh, I, love I, that old I thing. Bought, I, I bought my 963 Jazz Master in 1990, I think, for like, and it was 400 pounds. Right. Down at Denmark Street in London, and now it's, you know, it's 4,000 pounds. Amounts. Yeah. yeah. You should probably, have bought like you know. five of them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With, with hindsight. Yeah. With hindsight, who knows? But, uh, <clears throat> but I mean, um, yeah, so I, I had the, uh, the 3D cover i'm not quite sure why i mentioned the 3d cover apart from the fact <laughs> it's that it's it's interesting, had a yeah. 3d cover no, it is. i mean it was, a, it, was a, it, it was a great cover i mean because the the 3d cover has there's more color in the background there's kind of like a a branch there's a, a, a green branch and a, and a blue sky in the background and you have to put on glasses to 3d and, glasses to see the 3d though, and right? actually no 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 you just move it around oh yeah yeah oh, no it's 3d oh, without oh, it's one the of those. It's, it's 3d just yeah. looking at it and i also read that it was a big pain in the ass to do it because they had to send they had like a, a stuffed uh, raven they had to send to uh, japan <laughs> i think japan because japan was the only one that had the technology at the time to take the 3d picture right so they yeah yeah could imagine <laughs> imagine that going through that yeah. Uh, yeah. we could go on e- I mean, eBay uh, right now and find out how much each of those things are I worth. did actually earlier on today because we were going to do this <laughs> and I thought actually I wonder and I had a look and yeah they're all about sort of 80, 80 pounds or something uh, at least yeah, except, yeah, the, you know. except the Jazzmaster so, <laughs> oh, yeah, no yeah, that's not going to be more than 80 don't pounds. go looking for the Jazzmaster prices <laughs> Uh, um, all right, so you could, but I, mean, I mean, but but I mean, basically, it was a piece of card stuck on the front, you know. But it, but you know, an iconic cover, and again, a kind of first at the time. If you'd grown up through sort of glam rock, you know, the singles, you know, T Rex and Slade and Sweet and stuff, when you were earlier in in, in the the seventies, yeah. And then when punk and new wave came about, suddenly all these coloured vinyl records appeared, you know. And yeah. previously, coloured vinyl had only been used for things like, you know, kids. Records like things like you know, Barbar, Black Sheep, Have You Any Wool, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. on, on sort of white vinyl or something, you know. And then you'd look at it and think, ah, oh, stupid white vinyl, yeah, it should be black. Right. But then when Punk and New Wave came around, and suddenly you got Jimmy Jimmy by the undertones on green vinyl mm. or whatever, mm. and uh, all those Dickies singles and stuff, and um, yeah, and so. Uh, and also the stiff records, you know what I mean? You know, the Elvis Casella records and all the Blockheads records and stuff, where they're taking the sort of punk kind of ethic to the graphic design yes. as well as the music, you know. So yeah. I should mention that the Raven also cements the Stranglers as very much a band rooted in 60s psych punk again. They're, when they yeah. when, when it starts, you know, the tune starts, it's basically a song that, you know, by the Music Machine or a 60s garage <laughs> organ garage punk band. A yeah. couple of chords and a, you know, driving drum beat. Right, right, right. It's it's um it's just a direct there's just a direct line to those things yeah you know? and it's crazy because it's not punk rock at all <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I mean, that's the thing about the Stranglers. Like the, you know, people talk about the Doors, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And like, and obviously later on, they did actually cover Question Mark and the Mysterious. Yeah, you, oh yeah. But clearly, clearly, the seeds are in there as well. Of course, you know? oh, the seeds, all of those, the, any, any, yeah. any of those, like just uh, organ-driven bands, and they've definitely, maybe I don't know if it's it, it's you or or who is distinctly influenced by that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they were all old dudes. Old guys. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> all right. So we get uh, we get into the next song. Which now, I, now we're the old guys. I got. Yeah, we are. I got some questions about this next one, but let's listen to a little bit of Dead Los Angeles. The plastic beaches, the on concrete beaches, the you see the leeches, the you see the leeches, the the sun marshmallow, the it's all so shallow, the in Dead Los Angeles. Los Angeles, the trashed up monster dump that's got his glasses on. He's never seen the shit from the La Brea pits. The lunar base camp there with burning midnight lamp. They call it Frisbee Land. It's just a Disneyland. Android Americans live in the ruins there. In dead Los Angeles, in dead Los Angeles, the trashed up monster dump that's got his glasses on. <laughs> Such a cool song. All right, but what I was wondering, Adam, I couldn't find any record of them playing uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles that early. You know, they would have had to have played it oh, right. before this record. So it's like yeah. I, they must. I, I, although maybe they visited or one of them visited, but maybe it's just more yeah. about things than and the, the, well, it's the such a idea of Los yeah, Angeles. The, well, also the La Brea tar pits is such an interesting thing. Like in the middle of this city, there's this tar pit that continues yep. to you know. You, Belch forth, you know, uh, uh, right. mastodon yeah. skeletons and 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 things like that's that. That's right. I mean, because that's a really specific thing. I mean, it must have been in the news, like a mastodon, which is like a pterodactyl. <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, yeah, like a prehistoric bird, and like bones were found somewhere. Yeah, and it's it's and, right uh, there in Los Angeles. My daughter lives. Really? My, my daughter lives right across the street from the La Brea Tar Pits, and right. they're still oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're uh, bubbling. They're still bubbling <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, because because I remember the first times we ever went to LA, you drive in and you see. <sighs> I mean, is it oil or something? That's, I mean, there's something going on. I mean, it's we used tar. to try it. It's, it's actually tar. Right. It's black yeah. tar. It's yeah. tar. It is crazy. Yeah. Um, but 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 the but the tar is being. Uh Sold or something? It's being manufactured. Is, is that what's going on? I, I, don't, I don't even honestly. I don't know uh, what's going but on. But also, I should. There's a tie-in to the Captain Beefheart tie-in here because he talks about the La Brea tar pits in uh, one of the songs on uh, I think on uh, Lick My Decals Off the La Brea tar oh, pits come up. So right, that may have piqued now, their curiosity. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe that kind of uh, got piqued their interest or something. Yeah, as a kid. I, as a young lad in England, though, what do you think when you hear this song? What is what are your impressions of like Los Angeles? Did, did, did you have any like idea? Did, you know, did you have any? No, no, right? I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I think the only um, uh, information we would have gleaned about Los Angeles would have been through TV shows like Columbo and stuff. I mean, I, I, I guess quite a lot of those TV, which you know, in the UK we got a lot of those. Yeah. Oh, right, Late right. 70s cop shows, you know, yeah. Petrocelli and sort of like uh, Ironside and yeah. McLeod and yeah. stuff like that. And um, and so sometimes if I'm in LA and we go into a little kind of restaurant or bar and it's all dark, you know, nice and dark inside, that reminds me of some of those episodes of Columbo, of Columbo where yeah. they go into like a <laughs> yeah. restaurant. You watch those. I watched some Columbo, Columbo episodes relatively recently and mm. the, the vibe in those shows is really, really strange. <laughs> It is, right? <laughs> it's very dark and it's very, it yeah. almost reminds me of like something like a Samuel 
Beckett play. There's just this, <laughs> there's this sort of emptiness that's, that's, um, they don't yeah. attempt to fill. It's just very yeah. odd. Well, maybe that's the dead Los Angeles that you're uh, singing maybe about. Maybe so, yeah. Because you can tell they, they, um, they weren't fans of the like faceless corporate side of of the United States, of America, you know? That's, right. So that's kind of yeah. like what I think he's commenting on here. I mean, I, I would have to say there are two songs in this album where I imagine the title of the song came first. And I think Dead Los Angeles would be one of those. Right. Because yeah. I, I imagine they probably thought, oh, Dead Los, oh, Dead Los, Los Angeles. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. That would be a good title for a song. And then maybe they went about choosing the subjects and everything else. Right, you know? But right. I can imagine that. Same with Shah Shah or Gogo oh, later sure. on. Cause I think, oh, yeah. Because I, I think they just thought, oh, you yeah, know, that, that would be funny. Like do, yeah, let's write a song called Shah Shah or Gogo. A Gogo. But I, mean, I, but I got something here from uh, there's a Strangler's blogspot thing that I found. And what John Jacques Bonnell says about Dead Los Angeles is it was our first impressions of LA and what we, what we felt about it. We initially thought there was some kind of superficiality about the place. There's lots of towns stuck together, like Milton Keynes in a way, which is a new town in, in England. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, people who live in LA just dream of success in cinema or in music. I mean, the Stranglers always had this slightly jingoistic kind of outlook. You know, they they wrote songs about other countries. Right, right. And I and I'm I'm, I'm intrigued to know what the other countries think about their songs. I mean, they had Sweden oh, on yeah, black and white. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> And then on this album, it kind of yeah, there are, there are digs obviously at Iran and, uh, and and Australia. Not that necessarily people would be against what they're what they're saying because uh, right, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, the Sex Pistols song about England's dreaming and God Save the Queen, and lots of English people sent that song to number one. But um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that the Stranglers didn't really get any traction in the United States if they're constantly slagging it off. You right. Know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's take a little break. We're about halfway. Me and Barry, I, def- I uh, desperately need my coffee uh, refilled, and uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with more of Adam Franklin talking the Stranglers, the Raven. We'll be back in a minute. That record got me high. Ah, oh, glad you're here. If you were not, we wouldn't exist. We would plunge, like lead fishing weights, off the pitching deck of a ship, in deep, cold water, into the depths of emptiness, and lightless, soundless void. We would cease to exist. Only you, our listeners, and our generous patrons, keep our freezing nostrils above the brine. You, and the help provided by our sponsor, is this tomorrow. Is this tomorrow is drawings and text superimposed in a novel way, telling a story of recurring characters, seemingly trapped, themselves, in their rectangular frames. They speak, albeit briefly, of their plight, and generally come to a bittersweet conclusion by the final panel. Recently some of the characters seem to have developed, perhaps, a greater self-awareness, and are beginning to chafe at their fleeting two-dimensional life. Good luck with that, chumps, is this tomorrow is available at isthistomorrow.com and on facebook we now return you to our regularly scheduled programming
bunch of old guys. <laughs> I don't think we're the only ones to feel that way. My daughter went to Uganda, and she was there for three and a half months. And she said, every grocery store you go in has exactly the same items. Right. So you know you're going to go in a store, and they're going to have these particular things. And then she came home, and you know, in a grocery store, and there's just the shelves are just lined with all these different choices. And she just said... You know, we have too many choices. We don't need all this crap. Yeah. It's too much crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, although she did mention that in Uganda, they might have been able to use a few more choices, but that, you know. Yeah. It's got to be a happy medium. <laughs> it was, it was, they, <laughs> the, the, uh, they, the diet is fairly bland. All right, so are you good, Adam? Do you have to take any more trips to the loo, or are I'm you good. okay? <laughs> I'm good to go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good, too. All right, so we are back with That Record Got Me. Hi, that is Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And we are talking with Mr. Adam Franklin from hey. Swerve Driver. We are very excited to have him on talking about a record that meant... You know, Adam, I was going to ask you, though, something interesting, because obviously the, the Stranglers were a, a big band for you, a favorite, but I don't hear... I don't, like I don't hear their influence in right. your music, you know. Yeah. But isn't I guess it, it's just like that because you can yeah. appreciate all different kind of things, but not necessarily something exactly. that's going to. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. The, I mean, there's been a, you know, there's been a big sort of Scott Walker influence on um, everything I've done for the last ten years, but you wouldn't you wouldn't hear that either, of course. Really. Right? No, <laughs> no. That, is, that doesn't. No, it is. It, it is. More, it's more benign. But I mean, for me, you know, Hugh Cornwall was a big influence on my guitar playing, you know. I mean, and one of the things is that, you know, he would do a guitar solo, and clearly, he, you know, it was a guitar solo he'd worked out before, you know. It's like, okay, here, yes, here, here exactly. comes exactly. And like, yeah, songs like, you know, Goodbye to Lose, whatever, and he plays this great little solo, and then there's the, the echo of it comes two bars later. And it's kind of like, I mean, it's probably like Robbie Krieger in a way. I mean, if, if they were influenced yes, by the doors. Yes, you know, yeah. As opposed to... Uh, you know, just really uh, improvising, and I think that in the early days of of Swerve Driver, um, you know, my solos would always be kind of like w- more worked out, and then Jimmy would take his solo, and then he'd be like going off on one, it'd be different every time, and I'd be like, "What the hell is he doing?" You know, <laughs> it, it, it's because Jimmy had really gotten into like you know James Williamson and uh, yeah, and, and, oh, yeah. And, and Ron Ashton maybe- and just. Yeah, maybe maybe a subtle influence though, because I never, as great uh, as uh, a guitar player you are and your guitar parts, they were never overtly flashy, and that's the thing with you, Cornwell. It was never like a flashy no, guitar player, it's, it's, but he'd play these parts that were like perfect for the song, yeah. and they were these little uh, musical parts, and yeah. that, so maybe you, uh, you know, subconsciously picked that. Uh, I mean, picked I, that I, th- up. I think something like the Raven is, um, you know, shows how Hugh Cornwell was really good as a kind of um, complimentary sort of side player you know because he's not right. singing that song he's not having to play the chords and he and therefore and he's doing this amazing sort of like complimentary parts I mean that that first riff comes in yes yes and he's in the background he's just yes arpeggio the arpeggio parts that are perfect and there's a live version there's a live version I found on Spotify them playing in 82 or something version of the Raven and he's just yeah at the end he's just really kind of he's probably doing that beef art thing he you know always wanted to do and he's just sort of he's playing around different time signatures and things it's really interesting yeah send me you know you mentioned that but i couldn't find it send me the link to that because i'm gonna post mm. that on our thing so send me the link to i that. will yeah yeah all right so we're up to song number four uh this is this we mentioned prog briefly <laughs> i think i hear a little prog in this next one uh. this one's uh, yeah this one's called ice
So the intro is distinctly dif- different than the the tune itself. Right, right. And right. what you're hearing in the intro is, I swear to God, it's "The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway" by oh, Genesis. Right. Okay, I've, I've never listened to that, so I wouldn't know. It's but. it's no that per- that particular sort of thing that sound mm. with the way that what Burnell is playing, right. the way the bass is playing this melody that's uh, that's uh, uh, um, harmonically interesting melody against the chords. Yeah. It's it's you know if if Peter Gabriel started intoning after that I would yeah, not have yeah. been surprised. <laughs> yeah, there's a section. But then it kicks in. Then it kicks into this like four on the floor sort of uh, Devo ish groove. I guess Devo you know? again. Yeah, I mean, but before it gets there, there's a section that I always thought was like a cello or something. But I guess it's just a, a high bass. Like the oh, I just remember. At the end of the 70s, the early 80s, every bass player got a chorus pedal. Right. And so you hit that chorus pedal, yeah. and it's there's that there's that uh, yeah. sound. Because I wonder if that was like a, an overdub, you know, because the bass, you can hear the, the bottom sort of frequency, the full frequency. Sure. And then yeah. suddenly it disappears. And boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, yeah, that, maybe he's just stepped on a pedal and like the, the bottom's fallen out of it for, for those six, eight that, bars or whatever. That, 1979 chorus pedal yeah. for sure. <laughs> Would that be a boss? A boss pedal or something? It could be the or the, uh, the um, what was it? MXR stereo chorus? Yeah, or something oh yeah, like oh, yeah. electro harmonics or something. Yeah, right, exactly. So I think so. All, if you notice, all the songs are basically credited to the Stranglers. Yeah. They don't do like right. at least at right. this point they did just do the Stranglers. But this is a J, clearly a JJ song, right? Y- yeah, because I would think so. They this is the. Um, uh, he referenced when he says, "Die like cherry blossom, mm. Hagakuri, yeah, with perfume." Oh yeah. So that's the uh, book of samurai. Right. Yes, yeah, so there's a book about ritual suicide or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which What's he was really was, into. The yeah. song on black. He had a song on black and white yeah, what about was it. The author's oh, that's name. Right, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yuki, Yamamoto yeah. Tsutomo. Bring me know. a piece of my mummy. Me. Yeah. She, she was, was so close good to me. me. <laughs> yeah. how, could we, how could you not turn out strange listening to that shit when you're like a teenager? <laughs> True. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I mean, okay. So it's probably a, a, a JJ song, but he he whispers the vocal, which is interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if that's the first example of him doing that because previously he'd sung Princess of the Street and Ugly and. And, um, you know, there are songs, I'm trying to think what he sings on black and white, but on this song, it's, yeah, it's, they're definitely reaching for a new sound. I mean, it's interesting because I guess after black and white, maybe they felt like they were a bit at a bit of a crossroads or something. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, yeah, and, well, and, uh, wasn't their man? Didn't their manager suggest that, that they break the band up at this point? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I read I believe that. So. Yeah, he said, you, you've done all you can do, and yeah. so let's just. No, I think he does death, death and night and blood. Isn't oh, yeah, that a JJ yeah, 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 vocal yeah, yeah. on black and white? Yeah, yeah. When I see that sputter in his eyes, <laughs> young death. Yeah, but he does the well. He sings uh, the Raven. He also does a little bit of the whispering thing in the yes, Raven on course, this one too. Yeah, exactly, so yeah, I yeah. guess he's he's just yeah, like you said, they're exploring different things. And, and uh, speaking of ex- no, sorry, okay. Karen, Karen. No, no, you go. Guest always goes ahead of us. We have nothing. Well, I mean, I was, I was, I was just going to say about this whole thing about kind of how, yeah, especially this intro here on Ice is very beautiful, you know. And, it is, uh, yeah. And yet the Stranglers always had this thing where they're kind of halfway between being really ugly music. And they yes. even, yeah. even had a song called Ugly on the first album. And then, <laughs> and then this beautiful stuff. I mean, and I think on the first album, Goodbye to Lose is absolutely oh. the most, well, yeah, a really, really beautiful song. It's just very it evocative is. of like, 
a time spent somewhere and like uh, I will return someday so you can hear me say farewell you know but the way they yeah. play it is with like aggression and that's what yeah. made that such a you know such a great tune and like they're really sort of like um, exploring I suppose the beauty that actually kind of does lurk within within their music you know because they were capable of as was very much borne out later on with Golden Brown, of course, but they were... Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, they very much had this, you know, this, this, this hotline to kind of a little nugget of beauty, you know. Well, this this next song is, for me, one of the most beautiful songs they've ever done. This oh, song oh, and this but, yeah, very uh, but before we Baraka go, yet. Before we go there, though, we have to say that, of course, that, that riff that you mentioned, the four-to-floor riff on the, when it gets into the verses, yeah. is, is reprised later on, reprised later on, at the end of uh, Shah Shah Gogo. That whole... <laughs> oh, ding, ding, right, right. Ding, that, ding, that thing, ding, yeah, ding, that's ding, true. Ding, ding. This is the exact same part just makes a reappearance, which which I always found quite fascinating. Like, wait a minute, they've, just, they've already done this bit of music. Why are they doing it again? And yeah. of course, there's, well, there's no reason why they should or they shouldn't. But, uh, you know, and in some ways, maybe that, that makes it more of a sort of conceptual thing, you know, because they're... Yeah, well, they, they did things like that uh, on Black and White, too. It seems like they would put a little Easter, almost like putting Easter, little Easter, Easter eggs, eggs in their own yeah. songs. Yeah. Right, right, and right, there's, yeah. there's two ways you can look at that. that. Or they're not mutually exclusive, but that there's creative geniuses and also that there were drugs involved, which... <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that's Because true. I believe yes. that this, the, the comment was made that, that Black and White was the album where they made the transition from weed and Cheap beer speed. to cocaine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, they've actually said that they, they, they decided they decided as a band to, uh, to try heroin. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as a kind of artistic uh, experiment uh, or something. And, and some, they, of know, some of them took to it more than others. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like the, the very next morning, like, uh, Dave Greenfield and Jet Black were like, oh, shit, well, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, we're out. Oh, we're right. out. <laughs> Whereas uh, JJ and Hugh sort of Hugh. continued it. Oh, so, uh, yeah. That was nice. <laughs> what happens Maybe if we, we do, do it again, again and again and again and again? <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so let's listen to the beautiful, uh, just a beautifully orchestrated song that uh, it, it, if you hear, like, other songs by the Strangers, you wouldn't believe it was the same band. Mm. Let's listen to Barack Bordeaux. Instrumental intros on this, which will I'll make up for that in the so, editing. So beautiful, though. But and and you is kind of singing like a little softer here, like I'm a, a good, little yeah. softer. 
See a picturesque yeah. for time to tell. But the thing about this is, of course, that vocal and everything, and the guitar, is that it's going around in a different time signature to the three yes. other to the three other players. So the bass, drums, and keyboards are going around with that same. Yeah, right. Right. Then he's going around in like six, you know, whatever it is. He's, six, he's rotating so. around, yeah. which is going to uh, cycle around. So that's what gives it that feel. Yeah, yes. ethereal, yep. ethereal feel. Oh, that's beautiful. Because yeah. he, he gets to the line, you know, all the words are written for you, and it comes in at a really strange time. If you were, you know, I mean, I guess if you're trying to play it, you know, but it's right, right. But, but yeah, it's it's like a hypnotic kind of thing. Like, what's going on here? You know, it is. Find your heaven. Find your hell. Find your love, but. Keeps it hidden in a barrack. Now, Bordello. it's funny. Think about it. The Stranglers of just a couple years before, if they had written a song about a Bordello, it wouldn't be this one. It would be a, oh, a no. different song, it right? Be, yeah. Yes. It wouldn't be yeah, barrack. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> it wouldn't be a barrack. I mean, they say, they say this song was written after a week spent in Umbria in, uh, in Italy. I don't know. Oh, what, really? So who knows what they were doing there? I guess they were. Yeah, sure yeah, knows. But maybe, you know, who knows? But, uh, Direct inspiration. Yeah, and, it's, and it is like, a, yeah, I mean, this is probably the first hint of, I don't know, golden brown coming up yes. ahead or whatever, you know? Yes, yes. Because it's just, and, yeah, beautiful, beautiful kind of thing, and actual singing with a bit of, uh, yeah, vibrato on the voice even. Yeah. You know? And again, it's just so cool because it's a band doing whatever they want, wherever they want right. to follow their exactly. interests yeah. and yeah. go to. Just, they don't seem so particularly true. attached to any, like, oh, well, we have to be, we have to sound like this, we have to yeah. sound like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Oh, this sound, you know, let's yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's definitely like you're saying, it's not like one guy's coming in, like, I've got this song, guys, this is how it goes, you play this, yeah. you play that. <laughs> I mean, I imagine, I mean, one of them might have brought something in initially but when it comes to playing it they're all just playing I mean they're all playing all the time yeah, yeah. exactly the bass True. is like doing yes. crazy do, 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 do. oh yeah, yeah he's doing all the sorts of stuff doing, yeah, yeah. And the keyboards as well it's only really Jet Black that's kind of like holding down the meat and potatoes of the drums you know yeah exactly um, all right, so this I, I love this next song, and uh, purportedly this is a song written about the uh, then premier of Queensland uh, yeah jo- what is his name Job Peterson? Peterson, yeah. It's kind of like a Scandinavian name, isn't it, really? Right, right. Uh, All right. Yeah. uh, Let's listen to a little bit of Nuclear Device, which is subtitled The Wizard of Oz. First and last man walked this earth, but only a few survive. I'm the Wizard of Oz, and I've got it all planned for my first nuclear device. I don't really care about which way you vote. they getting the news from that they would know of enough about Australian politics? I mean, was this in the news at the time? Well, that there was a- the, the story is that they basically went to Australia, played in Brisbane and got into a fight, you know. I mean, it's probably like... <laughs> of, co- of course, right? Is there any Strangler story that doesn't involve getting into a fight? Is, is that... 
it wouldn't not getting in a fight be more remarkable yeah, at this point? It would, I then. think. I mean, because there are great stories on there, like the journalist, the French journalist that sort of gave him a bad review. Oh. And then oh. they, they take him up to the Eiffel Tower and apparently gaffer, <laughs> uh, allegedly gaffer tape him to, to one of the, you know, to, to the Eiffel Tower. You know, the guy's hanging there or whatever. You know. <clears throat> Who knows how, yeah. how much truth is in that, but... Uh, they apparently got attacked. There on were stage. definitely some actual fights. So they played. Involved. All right. So they played a show in Australia, and they ended up getting, of course, getting up into in a, a fight. Ruckus. Yes. Yeah, they played in Brisbane somewhere, and uh, right. And then I don't know. The police sort of thugs show up or something, and yeah. But then I guess they take this beef they have with them, like sort of further, you know. But it's talking about how the guy, this guy Peterson or whatever. Was uh, gerrymandering and like you know, obviously the oh fi- yeah, he was he was basically a, a criminal. He was like a criminal yeah. politician. Yeah, yeah. And they're finding out. They're probably finding this information out after the fact, maybe because they're, they're pissed and they want they, they want to get right. something on that guy, you know. But it's interesting because yeah. I mean, you know, again, as a sort of like as, as a kid in in England hearing this music, and I mean, that's the first time I ever heard the word gerrymander you know and oh yeah right, right, oh, of course right. so i mean i'm it guessing is, that, is, that could be the first use of the word gerrymander <laughs> in, in pop music <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure it is but it's great as well because it, I mean, but it is like you know education because you know like, jerry my, my gerrymander works out fine what does that mean and then you kind of look it up in right. a dictionary and you it's have like, to look oh, it up I see. yeah gerrymandering you know okay that happens does it you know and it is actually sort of like teaching about sort of like what 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 goes on or whatever you know um but I mean, it seemed like this, and it was purely was, done for revenge. Well, I'm not sure, really, you know. But I know that. Um, I mean, having. I mean, it sounds pretty. I mean, I, I would. Seems like their mo would be that would be pretty. Fuck those guys! Yeah, fuck those guys! Like, what's this girl about? Okay, let's write a song yeah. about it. Yeah. You know? Right, right. We'll show right. him. I mean, uh, I mean, then, I mean. There's a lot of stuff, of course. I mean, I know that um, in 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 Australia, the, the government is 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 regularly. Um, you know the, the people there sort of disp- people that I know sort of despairing about what oh, goes yeah. on and like with the, the present Prime Minister oh. Scott Morrison being like oh, you know, holidaying horrible. in Hawaii while while the country burns like, the burns do you, literally burns do, do you not think you should get back and take care of this and then he goes to yeah. do that, that photo op and, and tries, tries to shake, to shake grabs hand. the yeah, woman's yeah, hand yeah. So they're not this almost sounds like someone we know closer to home Barry that yeah, it's plays very golf similar. a lot and stuff but, uh, except <laughs> Scott Morrison made the mistake of going where he really, really wasn't wanted. Right, yeah, yeah. And thinking, oh, they're going to, because I'm, I'm a famous politician, I will, they're, gonna, they're not going to treat me poorly. And then he goes to the firefighter and tries to shake the firefighter's hand, and the firefighter says, I don't want to shake your hand. Yeah. And just looks at him, and he <laughs> nice. just has to walk away. He's not going to grab the firefighter's hand. Yeah. So, uh if he had, you know, if Scott Morrison had actually been fiddling, it would have been, you know, he could have completed the f- uh, 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 fiddling while Rome burns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Analogy. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that you know, uh, another thing about this song is that you know they talk about how Aboriginal land was being sold off for uranium. Oh, sure. Right, right, right. End. So the Stranglers, despite appearing to be these kind of slightly sinister bully boys or whatever they might be. They're actually singing about Aboriginal rights, you know, and they're singing about kind of um, Europe as as a you know as a, as, as one entity, you know. So I mean, right. obviously, John right. Bonnell has his French roots and, and songs. They they sang a few songs with like French version um, 
French vocal versions and stuff. That's right. And uh, and so you know the Stranglers are kind of like laying down their kind of like the politics as well. Really, I mean they're, they're well. I mean I, I suppose generally they're they're against the bad guys, aren't they? You know, yes. As, as in theory, we all are. You know, but uh, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, not all of us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Believe me. Right. You, should see, you should see some of the people I went to school with, Adam. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure. Not, yeah. Um, and this song also has a really cool part. It's almost like a song within a song. It's got that middle instrument, instrumental part where it goes into that fast. No, 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 no. That's so cool. It yeah, switches yeah. gears. I, I just I, I I love it so much. Another great middle eight. Yeah. And uh, and one thing she mentioned is that um, before this album. Dave Greenfield had just got himself uh, an Oberheim uh, synth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, right. So, so he switched. He switched over from that other thing that he was using. All yeah. That time. I mean, early on, I think there's a, I guess, a Moog and like sort of like. Uh, I'm not even really sure exactly what his his rig was on the first three albums. You know. I mean, oh, he used a, he used a Honer cymbalette. Okay. okay, so like an electric piano. Yeah, yeah. right. So is that the and thing he, that he's doing all those arpeggio runs on? Yeah, 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 yeah right. Yes, yeah. Such <laughs> a great sound. I mean, that, that, that was so much, especially a song like Tank, you know. I mean, oh, Tank was probably yeah. that arpeggio thing in Excelsis, you know. It's just so fantastic. Yes. But on this yeah, album, he's playing similar runs, but yeah, the sounds are changed around a bit, and it's because he's got a, some new toys to play with. So there's a, there's yeah, a, there's for sure. a there's a feeling of freshness and like uh, you know, they're having fun exploring new sounds as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, and now we so now we go from Australia, we go to the I- Iranian Revolution for some oh, reason, yeah. uh, <laughs> and let's hear a little bit of Shasha. The man used to live out in Iran. <laughs> he was Luxury's greatest fan. Yeah. People ate out of his hand. I gotta say those those lyrics are written intentionally, I don't want to say dumb, yeah. but they're written intentionally uh the way that they are to sound yeah. Uh, uh, to fit, there's no yeah. like the same band that used gerrymander yeah. right, in the right, last yeah, song yeah. is using this in a sort of a nursery rhyme. Yes, uh, definitely. Yeah, 
And I think they're still poking a little fun uh, at the U.S. too, because the Ayatollah, so after the revolution, the Ayatollah came into power, which who was originally supported by the U.S., mm. uh, but of course, the, the, they're dubious about it all, because I love at the end, he goes... Uh, then a priest in Paris, France, made the people get up and uh, da, 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 dance, dance. <laughs> sold cassettes for, for 60p, 60p, said he'd set the people free. We shall see. We shall <laughs> see. Shop, shop, a go, go. Yeah, yeah. Such a great, such a great song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's as much about the, um, what's the word, you know, the, just the, the rhythm of the words, really, isn't it? I mean, sha, like, like I say, I mean, I think Sha Sha, a go, go. I think they probably thought, oh, that would be a great song title. And then, it, right, like, yes. exactly. and then built a song, song around that. I agree. Go this go, is, yeah. sounds like the, a drunken, yeah. you know, he has to, <laughs> or the Shah, he has to go, he has, you know, a go, somebody says a go go, and then all of a sudden you've got a song, yeah. you know, the title of a song that you put, you know, put things around. Because the Shah was in. Or he went into exile in France or something. So I guess that's maybe where the lyric comes. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't say I'm, I'm uh, an expert on the on the Iranian Revolution. But, <laughs> How uh, are they getting all this info, too? They didn't have the internet then. How were they? <laughs> Newspapers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, were they was, reading? <laughs> well, I mean, that was definitely in the news at the time. I mean, you know, again, as right, a, right. A, a, as a kid in the UK, being aware of stuff going on in this place called Iran and the Iranian right. Revolution and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, there's all sorts of stuff going there now. Yeah. <laughs> There is. I mean, someone said that. Uh, yeah, someone said that on our. You, uh, you're aware of our Fox News channel, yeah, uh, correct? Of course, I am. Yes. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> there was someone said that. Uh, okay, Sean Hannity had announced that there were six B-52 bombers headed to Iran on the night of that, um, where the the, the, guy was, the they the launched general the, was, they yeah. launched the missiles, uh, and that that may have triggered the paranoia about the jet airplane that caused the right. um, accidental downing. Yeah. So, I mean, I it's, it's it's such a shit show. I mean, that guy gets killed, but then what? The, the hundreds of people killed at the, at the funeral yes. procession, and, the, and yes. then about two hundred more in this this um, fl- this plane that got shot down, which is now apparently the Iranians have said they shot it down. And, they did, yes. And then the fact that, the it, was, that it was Ukrainian plane but also a lot of the people on the plane were ukrainian canadians that's and correct and hit home. and then you just think about this fuckwit that's sitting in the in that office yes and his decisions are killing people you know that's an insult to actual fuckwits i must say he is <laughs> he's just beyond uh, all measure all right. this is a whole different podcast though. yeah i know <laughs> but but that's what you know but all these right. guys are so this is uh 30 40 years ago 41 years let's ago let's talk about yeah. something much more fun and uplifting which is a uh, heroin addiction let's get to the next song so i will i just want to point out that that song shasha gogo and this next one don't bring harry were not i guess i guess they didn't think americans could handle these songs oh yeah Right. So uh, th- this was not on the Americans couldn't handle Iran or, or heroin or heroin, or, or heroin op- opioid addiction or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, but th- this is a beautiful song. Anyway, let's hear mm. a little bit of "Don't Bring Harry." Not come 
that's, uh, is that Hugh lamenting? Uh, um, no, no, it's JJ. J- J. Oh, that's JJ singing. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, yes. this, this, you know, I mean, it's. I guess overall, if you look at the Stranglers' sort of career and trajectory and stuff, I mean, you know, this is, a, I think, it's, it's a huge song. I mean, apart from anything, it's the only song where um, Dave Greenfield was actually playing piano. It's just actual piano. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it really sticks out that he's it playing does. piano. It's a real piano. It's an absolutely beautiful, cool construction, and it kind of sounds... French. I mean, it, you know, there it is does. A, yes. I mean, I mean, there is a French version where he's singing, singing the words in French. But I mean, oh, it, oh right. really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll send you that link too. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. but it, 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 yeah, it does sort of have a kind of a, an element of the sort of Serge Gainsbourg about it. I think. Indeed. Yes. Yes. We, we almost did a Serge Gainsbourg record. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Which one? Um, to be the, Melody Nelson, Melody of course. Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we our, decided our, not to because it's all in French. It's all in, it wasn't that. It was that uh, the person yeah, who wanted that, to do it but, but flaked out on us. I mean, it's fascinating that that album, Melody Nelson, means so much to us. You know, we listen to it and you don't actually know what's being No idea. Sung. Right. And, right. And this it is sounds the way great, that, though. Yeah, well, yeah, and this is the way that a lot of people in the world have, you know, uh, experience uh, English song English. music because yeah, you don't necessarily know, you know, especially at a young age. I mean, people learn English. And those of us that speak English, we can sort of just be lazy bastards and not learn any other language, you know. Correct, but yes. people kind of learn English. But, I mean, if you're hearing a lot of, you know, so much kind of rock and roll music comes from the United States and, uh, and, and the UK, and if you're from somewhere where you don't speak English, you're just reacting to... Um, to, to the to sound the vibe, of it. Yeah, the sound, the vibe. And like you know, there's stuff, yeah, yeah, kind of stuff. You know, the, the French mid '60s pop music, yeah. Um, and you don't know what's being said, but, but but you're just getting into the. Well, with Serge, you can you can the sound of his voice always gives you an idea that there's something slightly um, uh, lascivious going on. <laughs> so you get the general idea. And then with this song, I mean, it is sung in English. He's not singing about Australian politics, in <laughs> other words. this time, no. <laughs> but I mean, but the, the way he's sing, I mean, it, it's interesting because it kind of, it almost romanticizes it because the music's so great. Yeah. It does. But the way he's singing it, though, is, is so kind of gormless. And it's like, yeah. you know, with friends like him, I don't need enemies. Yeah. Yeah, it's very uh, lethargic sounding, and it sort of gives you a move. But it's almost to me, it's almost like slightly hypocritical because he's he's singing. You could you could look at it like he's singing about it honestly, but he's also not really because he's like. Um, I, you, well, that's what he. You know said what I mean? That. I mean, I mean, he said. In fact, he says, uh, "I've seen so many people die through heroin." And I think some fucking assholes glamorize it because they think they're being risky and on the edge. Well, that's it. It's almost like you're romanticizing it just because the song's so beautiful. But yeah. I guess you're really not, you know, it's not meant to be romanticized. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, at the end of this quote, he says, I think it's beautiful, the song. It's just a bit awkward. And he mentions performing it on top of the pops. Now, I remember this is another song that was beamed into our home. So I was probably sat with, with my mum and dad watching Top of the Pops. And like, and here they are, number 25, it's the Stranglers, but don't bring don't Harry. Don't bring Harry. And then, and then they stood there, and, I, and it's just sort of like bearing into your brain, really. You're thinking, yeah. this is crazy. This isn't chic. This isn't ABBA or whatever. Right, this right, is like right. This is like something else. And um, the fact that it could be 
you know, the, the Stranglers came through at a time when bands could break through because there's this kind of revolution, yeah. punk revolution. And yep. yet they added on, on top of the fact that it was a punk revolution, they added on all their other influences, their slightly older influences. And like yeah. you were saying before, just did what the hell they wanted. And yet the yeah. songs still got through, made the charts, and therefore reached 10, 11, 12-year-old kids, you know. It's, great. Right. it's quite something, you know. It, it, it is... In almost inexplicable mm. how they got to be as popular as they did. When you yeah. look at them and you see what they did and you see the subject material, mm. and yeah, and that their most famous song is, uh, again, <laughs> just about heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it's just... Uh, and it's sad because I feel like something like that, it's hard for something like that to happen now. Like nowadays, it's no, much harder no, for things like no. that. Well, no, thought, you don't uh, think so? No, I don't think it would happen now. No, right, I that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no. no, I don't think so. I think that, uh, I mean, England was very different from, I mean, different from the United States in that, you know, it's such a smaller place, you know, I mean, it's what, the size of New Jersey or something. And like, yeah, you know, right. And a record, you know, if a record comes through and if there's enough, and also, of course, back then there were three or maybe even four um, weekly new music papers the enemy sounds made yeah. to make it and i think record mirror at that time as well and yeah. so you know every week there was more stuff about the new bands that are coming up and every week you could buy this stuff and uh, and it's a small area to reach and so you know the kids would go out and go yeah sure i'm buying this single i mean like we were saying peaches being the first song <laughs> that really hit home for them and people just yeah. love that gonzoid sort of bass line dun, dun, dun. Yeah, 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 and like it's, it's great. Yeah, it's crazy and, too. and they slipped. They slipped through the cracks in, in a way that could probably could never <laughs> happen again. Yeah, I know. I, I don't, I don't yeah, think I don't so. think so. Uh, all right, so this next song was the most successful single from the album, uh, reaching number fourteen on the UK singles chart. Uh, and the supporting video for this, uh, apparently the band dressed up as choir boys. <laughs> and it received the, like it, apparently. It, yeah, it received the oh, first oh. video banned by the BCC as it was deemed blasphemous. Uh, so let's listen to a little bit of the wonderful song, Touch It. This song is just like a straight-up pop song. That is, yeah, yeah. except Jean-Jacques Brunel playing 16th notes on a distorted bass yeah, <laughs> underneath it. It gives it that drive that just... You know, that i got to think with the Stranglers, every the way each player sounds is uh, like uh, like an emotional component of their sound. Mm. So you've got, you've got these four distinct characters. Yeah. That's what makes it interesting, yeah, is that yeah. there's just... These yeah. four components that come together, 
mm. and it's uh, 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 a, a very odd machine that produces some really some really great stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, th- I mean, this was the first single, right? I think from the album, and uh, it's obviously yes, a, yeah. It was clearly a great choice for the first single because it's, it's not it's it's closer probably in sound to anything that went yeah. before. You know, it's mainly guitar sort of driven, and it's got the the keyboard arpeggios as well. But it's got that beautiful descending chord sequence which yes. is which is kind of like an early 70s thing I mean a lot of T-Rex and Bowie stuff back then would have that kind of thing where you you're right. playing a D whatever yep dropping the D A G in E minor and then yeah exactly and I wonder it's beautiful it's gorgeous I sort of wonder about like the title I mean because I didn't discover the song Duchess by Scott Walker until many many years later Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I know. Oh I, I know Scott Walker, but I don't know if I know. Oh that man, you got to hear Duchess is great. In fact, there's a song on that album that me and Sam did, uh, the Magnetic Morning album. A song called Indian Summer, which is kind of. Oh, that's right. I didn't realize that was a, a Scott Walker song. Yeah, I, oh, no, I, well, no, I, I, I have that. Well, it wasn't a Scott Walker song. It's our song, but it was. It was very much under the influence. Oh, you, of, of, you of, stole it from it. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's it, an homage. <laughs> it's under the it influence. Was an I mean, if you compare. Um, uh, Indian Summer with uh, Duchess by Scott Walker. The only the only okay. real similarity is that it's exactly the same tempo. <laughs> but, 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 the but, tempo. But, but okay. we, yeah, but but we but there's a different sort of uh, propulsion to it. But it was it was influenced by that kind of yeah that that Scott Walker kind of thing, which uh, I saw. I, I just kind of wonder if the Stranglers. I imagine Hugh Cornwell would have been. I'm my, sure my they probably well, heard. I know I've read they were big, which a lot of the British punk bands were uh, Dr. Feelgood, uh, influenced by yeah. uh, Dr. Feelgood. Well, yeah, the vibe of Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. yeah. But um, you, you but, Cornwell... But Scott Walker's a totally different... I mean, if you listen to Scott Walker and then you hear Bowie and you, you go, oh, yes. I see. I see where that <clears throat> thing well, exactly. came from. You see, I think, I mean, Bowie was kind of like, I think Bowie at one point was dating some girl in London and she'd previously gone out with, with Scott, you know, and, and Bowie was, and Scott was huge at the time and Bowie was still struggling to get any recognition. <laughs> right. And he would just be sort of prodding her about, so what did Scott do and what did Scott uh-huh, say or whatever, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you listen to the, the electrician. Uh, when the, the Walker Brothers got back together, did that album. They did yeah, the, the song, one in 78, the, the, yeah. the strange one, yeah. So they did, like, No Regrets, which sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a fairly contemporary sort of song you'd hear on BBC Radio 2 over here, you know. But yeah. at the same time, they had songs like this song, the, the Electrician, which is just a weird song about. I don't know what yes. it's about, but you can hear how that's kind of influencing. I think that's influencing Bowie, kind of doing the kind of his whole sort of uh, Berlin. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Records, oh you know? yeah, definitely. That and that record is uh, yeah. But Scott Walker, you know, went on to make some. Extremely, very, very strange, records. very strange records. <laughs> so, um, um, all right. So, you Cornwell is on record as saying that this was about an ex-girlfriend who, right. who uh, aristocrat, who supposedly she said she had direct links to Henry VIII. Right. So, all right. <laughs> so my she's question, Henry's kid, right? Ed, right. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. she she lived alone in a huge mansion, and yeah. she had constant stream of upper class suitors. Who yeah. she rebuffed in favor of a low cast uh, junkie like uh, right. junkie rock star you. <laughs> All right, my question to you though, Adam, is um, uh, Rodney's when they mention and the Rodney's are queuing up. Yeah. Is that the slang? Do you think he's using that as a clang as slang for the suitors for the upper yes, class suitors? Definitely. The Rodney's. Yeah, oh, like, that's great. I, I mean, a bit that. like how we refer to like you know, I mean, chavs, chavs being sort of like. Uh, 
you know, slightly dumb, deplorable kind of, uh, you know, people that, 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 that um, well, I'm not really sure, but exactly what the definition of a chav would be, but a Rodney, I think, is kind of like, yeah, it's like calling out a Tarquin or something, or a Rupert. You know? <laughs> it's a name that you would only get by being of yeah, a certain class. I think so. Yeah, Rodney, yeah. Rodney. The Rodneys are queuing up, and they all want to win the cup. You you understand that, that reference, <laughs> yeah, right? That's like exactly, winning, yeah. winning the FA Cup or whatever. They all want to win the cup. They all want to get the prize, I suppose, of uh, of dating this, 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 uh, yes. posh, this posh bird, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love but I mean, it. Hugh had a you know, history of like dating. Uh, I mean, being a bit of a um, a Lothario is a Lothario yeah. somebody that dates lots of uh, lots I of think women. He's handsome. Yeah. He's extreme, you know, you look at the guy and you're like, he's okay. Because yeah. he goes. I mean, I, I mean, I think he may have dated Kate Bush. I mean, I'm not sure that's. I, I, I remember hearing that as a kind of rumor back in the day, like way back oh. when these records were happening. Like, oh, apparently Hugh from the Stranglers went out with uh, with Kate Bush. I'm like, really no way, you know. I mean, I what think a he, power he, couple. I think he went out with um, um, Hazel O'Connor, who uh, had oh. uh, yeah had had sort of new wave hits uh, back in the late seventies as well, and was mm-hmm. in that film oh. Breaking Glass, you know. But uh, yeah, so I can quite imagine that this is kind of just a diss about, if not specifically the royal family, but just, I mean, the, royal, the, the immediate royal family is one thing, but then there's all the people below that, the people that don't have to be in the newspapers every week, but they right, still right. exist on this massive chunk of money that they just get every month or whatever, <laughs> you know. And so, <laughs> Must yeah. Must be tough. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think this is very much a, a comment on sort of... Uh, right. Right. You know, kind of uh, class struggle in, in, in Britain at the time, whatever. You know. Right. Oh, good. Um, all right. So this next song, th- this always cracks me up that they, they deemed for the U.S. release, they, they took some of the Raven songs and they put other songs. But this song they ah. put on the U.S. For, one, yeah, even right, though it's the course. weirdest fucking song yeah. on the record. And it's the, one of the creepiest songs ever. And let's listen to just a little bit of Men in Black. We're not here. To destroy We are here To employ song that they played for Martin Russian where he went nope nope <laughs> yeah yeah he said no I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna again anymore. state that I think that this was simply the straw that broke the camel's back yeah, yeah. that there was probably Martin <laughs> Russian was looking for an out and maybe they were too I think they made some derogatory comments about him right. after um, well actually Oh, really? You, yeah, you yeah, has did. a great yeah. quote about uh, production uh, uh, producers. He said, uh, "He said, 
We're never going. This was after they made this record. Yeah. He said, "We're never going to use a producer again. They are just shitty little parasites. All they're good for. All they're good for is uh, telling jokes, and we know better jokes than any of them." So I'm, I, I think that was directed specifically to Martin Russian. Um, so th- I mean, I mean, we had uh, you know we had sort of like um, fallings out with uh, producers early on and stuff because you find that they try to make you do things you don't want to do. Yep. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I mean, Alpha, the first Slow Driver EP was uh, recorded, uh, well, not recorded entirely by, but produced by. Um, um, oh, now I've forgotten his name. Great. It's public, right? We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's. Um, um, Damn, but he played bass in the uh, Steve Lillywhite vibrators. No, no. no, it wasn't Steve Lillywhite. I was about to say that actually. <laughs> um, let me just uh, quickly uh, Google the vibrators. He was the bass player. Oh, from the vibrators. Oh, that's okay. who produced the yeah. first Swerve Driver EP, really? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Pat Collier. Pat Collier. Yeah, Pat Collier. Okay. So, 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 so Pat Collier was working a lot of records at the time, and then at the end of the session. He basically his um, right hand woman Jessica had recorded the record, but I kind of felt like she kind of said to me like you you know you need to sing out more on this song. I was like, oh really? You know, yeah, you need to sing more. And I ended up sort of like singing more. You know, I wanted the vocal to be more sort of laid back or something. Right, right. But it but it ended up the way it was. And then at the end we ended up with a song "Son of Mustang Ford" and it was all mixed and it sounded great. We're like yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And then he said, okay, well I mean if you guys just want to go to the pub for ten for fifteen minutes, or whatever. I've got this idea for, the, for something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we, we went to the pub and then we came back and then, I mean, that song's got weird, like, the dun, 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 like four times and then another riff comes in twice. But he basically, sort of, he thought he was getting, you know, cutting to the chase, basically. And like that first riff was twice and the next riff was one instead of two, or whatever. And the next one was one instead of three. And it was like, you know, he'd hacked up the song. Oh, and, uh, oh, wow. and, uh, uh, and for us, of course, it was like, well, we've been rehearsing this for months, been playing it live, and we don't want it to, you know, and suddenly at the last minute being offered this, how about this, you know? And yeah. we were just like, mm, no, we're not into this at all. We don't like this. And we were so perturbed by it, we didn't actually credit him as the producer. I mean, in the end, I think the, the record says produced by Swerve Driver you know, with thanks to Pat Collier, you know, which... Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, thanks, thanks, no, no thanks, Pat. <laughs> yeah. And he's probably like, oh, okay, thanks, guys. I mean, right. he, he's gone. He's still doing stuff today, but I haven't seen him in, in 30 years, but he might have been a bit miffed by that. Possibly. You know, but, um, well, it's tough. I mean, tough. I mean, sometimes producers, it it, it's a good relationship because bands need it, but for bands that don't, yeah. that are sort of fully formed, like you said, you've got your shit down, you know what you want it to sound like, it's really just get it get it on tape. Don't, you know, don't, yeah. you're not going to change it. Right. It's a tricky thing. I've never really been a producer or anything, but I mean, you have to sort of bring out what's best in the band, uh, but then also bring things that are going to make it better. But I mean, it still has to appeal to the band. So, but I, I sort of wonder what the Stranglers' beef might have been with Martin Russian because those early records do sound fantastic. They, they do. Talk about Tank. They do. I mean, tank and uh, well, nice and sleazy. Just, and, uh, it's just, just add, you know? just add drugs into the mix yeah. of all of that, <laughs> and you can see exactly. where if Martin Russian is doing drugs and the band is doing drugs, and at a certain yeah. point that they're so two different drugs. two different drugs, right? <laughs> he's it's just going to be like, all right, I've had enough. 
Yeah. So this, it, it's funny, Adam. Once you mentioned that it's actually just uh, two sunspots, which is on the next record, the gospel according to Men yes. in Black, slow down. I hear it. Like you hear it once oh, you yeah. know that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You hear that's yes. what it is. Um, and they're talking yeah, about yeah, you know and the, the vocals, the way they're pitched up. You know what else? This is again Devo because yeah. a, a bougie boy. Remember yeah, they would yeah, have bougie boys b- b- singing. Boogie boy, yeah, right. Sorry, right, come in. Oh. And, oh yeah, sure. I don't know that. What's uh, what's, B- what's Boogie Boy is the character with the the, the Devo character with the baby head, the baby mask. Baby head and yeah. oh, Dad, we're all Devo. And he would, they would use his sitting character in a, to a, sing a famous some movie songs. of him yeah. sitting in a in a playpen, and he's got a <laughs> up, he's got a toaster, and he's got a fork stuck in, and he's getting electrocuted. Yeah, it's very and it's, so you say, I mean, you say it's a character, Devo character. Did they? Was this like in video? Was oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you've yeah. seen. I know you've seen oh. it. Maybe yeah, the, not, the, but I'll yes, send it. The, yeah. the history of yeah. the evolution. <laughs> Did you get the papers from the Chinese man? Yes, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Do 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 right. do. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, so it's we very get Devo. Uh, the final song on the record. Now it should be pointed out. We didn't mention this, but in the but hang on a sec. Actually, just one, just one thing. Oh, Men in Black. I mean, who do we think is singing Men in Black? Is that is that? Oh, I don't know. Do, know. do you know? I, I, I have no idea. We should mention I mean, the subject matter is Men in Black was the fabled uh, uh, underground or alien-driven yes. men would yep. show up at your house. They call, uh, yeah. And, and I guess it, Jet Black was originally, initially, he was the first one that be, read was reading about, all oh, yeah, this He was stuff. reading the books. And then they all kind of bought into it. But yeah, this is about it. And then, uh, and then, they, and then they thought that maybe uh, because I did this song, that they were cursed because things started happening. Yes, yes, yes. burning down. <laughs> Once again, dr- drugs and, and hair. Yeah, yeah hair. Well, like, yes. Well, just, it's yeah. so creepy because it, it's about like the aliens or the men in black like harvesting humans. Harvest- for oh food. yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's very creepy. Well, I mean, you know, but I mean, it, it's st- it's still a subject of great uh, intrigue, isn't it? The whole Area Fifty One. Of thing course, and yeah, sure. And, like, well, the know, Navy released actual UFO footage they had shot last. It's yeah. for, it's old UFO footage, but. That people were yeah. like, you know, what is this? And the Navy just goes, yeah, yeah we don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your guess. They finally got to the point where they were like, it's not, it's not military technology. So just put it out there, and nobody, right. nobody knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if anyone knows who actually is singing that, write into us and let us know. What the, and what's our email address, Barry? Hey assholes at that record got me high dot com. That's it. That's our actual uh, email address. <laughs> is, that, is that the actual? The actual it, is. it is. Yes. Yeah, hey assholes. That record got me high dot com. Uh, We've changed. gotten a total of zero <laughs> emails. The, the, the level of well, interest is so high. Well, we get to our other, our other, our regular one, trgmh33 at Gmail. We get emails there, but yeah. the, uh, the Hey Assholes one, it hasn't been used yet. <laughs> um, all right, so Hugh Cornwell, in the 60s, he had a, a bachelor's degree in uh, biochemistry from uh, mm. Bristol University. And then he did uh, postgraduate research at Lund University in Sweden. And he gives us a little lesson at the end of this last song, which is called Genetics.
Yeah. Right. All right. So this, they're singing about. It's almost like a. It's, it's very scientific, but. The, one of the things I've always loved about the, them is that they have, there's a sense of humor and a sense of absurdity but behind everything that the <laughs> Stranglers yes. does. So it sort of keeps it from... Which is, of, which is often forgotten. I mean, I, I think that people sort of thought the Stranglers were being very serious and no. like, you know... Right, right, and some, right. Yeah, and sometimes misogynistic or whatever and various various other things, almost like racist or... Well, not no, right, but you know, kind of like. But as your people yeah. like to say, they're taking the piss they out of everything. The right? They yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They yeah. refuse. Although. And the absurdity is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. are yeah. taking the absurdity very seriously. But, yeah. but, and that's the fun, that's how you end up here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but this is just, you heard the weirdness, the weird, like the bass, and yeah. then at the mm-hmm. end, uh, JJ does this like crazy sort of bass solo thing. It's like you're, you're getting a bass lesson from JJ, from, right. uh, and then you mm-hmm. get a science lesson from uh, a Professor yeah, Cornell, from uh, Cornwell yeah, yeah. at the end, because he, he's basically. He reads it, oh, the first law of segregation states that any gamete yeah. male or female can carry <laughs> yeah. the determinate gene of only one pair of alternative characteristics <laughs> yeah that's the first time and the last time that's ever appeared in pop music again <laughs> there's a lot of and firsts again, I, mean, I mean I guess this is still a current thing it's all sort of like about DNA and oh and, yeah uh, reproducing DNA and there's a there's a currently a thing on uh, on uh, Netflix uh, living with myself which is all about kind of somebody who gets kind of um, uh, what's the word um, cloned gets, um, Cloned, cloned is the yeah. Ah, okay. Well, look at them. So, they, they were ahead yeah, of their time. I'm, yeah, I mean, it, uh, uh, and uh, and yet, you know, I mean, Jay says, JJ says that him and Hugh worked on this for months, really working out the stuff, and then they get Dave to sing it, and and again, oh yeah, that's right, that's Dave singing oh, okay. it. Yes. Right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because previously he's he'd sung uh, "Do You Wanna," right? You mentioned yeah. earlier. <laughs> Do you wanna marry a company you can, director? You can hear his. Uh, Mustache. Yeah. When he's singing, you can hear the mustache. <laughs> yeah, right. you can hear it sort of blowing in the in, in, in the wind. Yeah, yeah. Something. It's that yeah. quality. Um, yeah. All right, so that's it. So we did the record, Adam. Uh, we did uh, the Raven. Um, that's great. I mean, it's just so. And, uh, the nice thing about this is that by the end of the record, by the end of one of these shows, a lot of times I want to listen to the record again because I've yeah. picked up. New information. Yeah. Oh, always, whenever I revisit uh, like a Stranglers record, I always yeah. hear there's, new there's, stuff. There's stuff in there cool that's uh, um, still waiting to be discovered. Yeah, so much cool stuff. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, but by the time we get to the end of this record, it is really like, I mean, yeah, genetics is completely out there. It's like, what the hell are they going on about? <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't Blondie. This isn't no. Elvis Costello and the Attractions. No. It's just, it's not even Public Image Limited or whatever. It's exactly, like, exactly. That's right. You know, it, it, it's their own thing, really, and it's like. What their thing is, you know, who know, I mean, obviously the next album, which I I kind of love as well, you know, the gospel according to the band in black, even though it's, it's so strange, kind of it's like strange, a, such a but strange. it's brilliant. It's still brilliant. It's yeah. strangely brilliant. I mean, it, I mean, it's almost like the concept of the album is more important than, than, than the, the, the execution. The yeah, it's a well, very yeah, strange record. Yeah. Because I think every band, in a way, should do something which completely confounds everybody. And they go, what the <laughs> yeah. Hell is, yeah, but uh, then and then after thing. Men in Black was uh, was that the one of La Folie is the La one with, Folie go- that with has, Golden uh, Brown Golden on Brown, it. Yeah. So exactly. they go from that yeah. to you yeah. know a, a yeah. chart topping, you know, yeah. just brilliant. As as your people like to say, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And then they moved beyond that into the next album. They had the European Female, which is another song where JJ's whispering. Yes, yes, really. right. And, so uh, I'm not. 
what was the final? What was the straw that broke the ba- the camel's back with Hugh and the rest of the band? That's a good question, isn't it? I mean, I think the oral sculpture, which is maybe two albums before the end or something, that was a great album that we all used to listen to. We used to go and get. Well, we used to go and get, get baked in, uh, a friend, in a friend's uh, apartment in this little village outside Oxford that we lived in. And, but the, the apartment, the flat, was above a bakery. So at like five in the morning, Ooh. they'd go in and start, you know. Baking. And they knew we were living upstairs. Yeah, and we'd come downstairs, give us, uh, you know. And they'd give us like a few things, you know, to yes, satisfy tasty. our munches. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But around that time, we were listening to Oral Sculpture, which is, uh, you know, certainly not a revered Stranglers album's. Uh, Strangler's album. I really like that. Record. Lot, I like that record. It's yeah, got a lot of great songs it's, it's on got it. A, it's got a lot of really great um, tracks on it. Um, I mean, I think the last two albums, the two after that, maybe. I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like maybe Hugh thought, you know, I could do better on my thought, own. Maybe he got just yeah, I mean, kind of tired. Uh, I mean, maybe he tired thought, of being in the Stranglers. Maybe, maybe yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he thought, you know, every band... I mean, bands aren't really... I mean, contrary to what's going on now, bands aren't really supposed to last for 25, 30 years. No. They should last for between four and maybe ten at the most. Or they could, or, or work intermittently over a period of years. That seems to work for some yeah. groups, is to just right. reform every now and then and do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, uh, everyone... So, Adam, what's the best... So, the, like I said, uh, me and Barry, the, the, the latest Swerve Driver release... Future Ruins is excellent. Where should people, like, where's the Thank best you. place for you, like, for people to, to find that and get that if they don't have it? Where would you like them to go? Uh, where, well, I mean... Where you, you'll actually well, get paid some you money. You get paid, yes. We always try to... <laughs> is it on Bandcamp? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it is on Bandcamp, but I mean, it's, we don't own the Bandcamp. I mean, I mean, buy it from wherever you buy it, because in the end, we did a, you know, a fairly conventional kind of record deal, really, and the record label were really great, and there's a, a, an advance of money. Oh, okay, okay. So and, just get and, it wherever. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Buy it wherever. But and I mean, even if they list it on Spotify, you'll probably get a check for like 12 cents, maybe in a year yeah. or so. <laughs> exactly, you know. Well, point zero 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 zero. Right, yeah, 12 cents. Yeah, that may be getting a little ambitious. But no. I mean, buy it rather than stream it, of course. Okay, right. But I mean, only buy it if you really like it. Like I say, the Raven... I only had it on cassette for many years until I eventually <laughs> right, yeah. went out and fa- found that uh, the 3D copy in the, in in Brussels that time. You know? Right, right. Um, but, but but I mean, I, I suppose you could look at iTunes as being like the equivalent of uh, people having albums on cassette back in the day, right? You true. Know? And then maybe one day one day they think, actually, I do really like this record. I'm actually going to go out and buy it, spend right. money on it, you know. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks once again yes, for coming on the you. show. And our next episode. Now, you don't. Uh, Adam doesn't know this. Who yeah, our next episode is? Surprise. And I swear, Adam, we didn't. This was not planned. But our next episode, <laughs> which is the first one of season three, is going yeah. to be our dear friend Sam Fogarino ah. who is from of, of Interpol. Who what, is, what record he picked? And guess what record he picked? Mezcal. He's he doing. Goes, he's doing Mezcal right. Head by Swear yeah. Drive. <laughs> and I swear. I mean, it, I'll be. I'll be <laughs> He or you swear what? I, that he's doing mescal head by Swear Drivers, Sam. Yeah. That's what he picked, and he and he much like you, he he went to different records. He couldn't decide, and he said, you know, he goes, fuck it, yeah. I'm just gonna do mescal head because that that record got me high, and I'm like, all right, great. So you're so gonna be the subject great. of the next uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. 
Ooh, that could be. I, I might feel a bit self-conscious listening to yeah, that. Yeah, and one, we're going to tell you what it's really about, what that record's really about. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe you shouldn't listen to that episode. Um, <laughs> you're going to use that. You're going to use that. Hey, assholes, email address immediately. <laughs> yeah, you can email us. <laughs> Uh, you fucking so idiots. Your information's all wrong. <laughs> yeah. These, what were you thinking? These wankers don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> all right. So don't forget, go to our Patreon people, uh, patreon.com forward slash TRDMH. Become a patron of the show. Subscribe to us. Like us. Review us. We're and, on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're yeah, on we're iTunes. But share, share our episodes and recommend us to your friend, to your cool friends. Not all your friends, because all your friends aren't going to yeah, get us. Some of them aren't going to Your friends us. that listen to like uh, a Billy Joel and stuff, don't, don't tell us Probably about it, because they're not going to care about it. But if you have any cool <laughs> friends, tell them about the, uh, the show. We appreciate it. Adam, once again, thanks a lot for coming on. We really appreciate it. That was, yeah, it was Thank great. Enjoy so the rest of your Sunday evening. Uh, it's about over, I think. Yeah, once again, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. We are That Record Got Me High. We will see you guys next week. We are out. Some history